where would you say that you are on the path toward teaching for proficiency? In this episode, we look at the Roadmap to Proficiency Framework. This is the framework that Devin Gunning from La Libre Language Learning uses as she mentors teachers working toward the goal of teaching with a proficiency objective. So Devin joins me today to help us all see where we are on the roadmap with some guidance on how we can move further along. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and I have to start by saying thank you. You know, I thank you every single time because you should be thanked every single time for listening because you're a teacher listening to a podcast about teaching, and you're probably not at school right now, and you're still listening to a podcast about teaching. So that makes you an incredible educator. So thank you for taking that extra step and going that extra mile. So today, talking about taking extra steps and going an extra mile, we're going to be talking about a roadmap. Hmm, I didn't even plan that whole metaphor, but it's working for us, so we're going to go with it, right? So we're going to be talking about this idea of a roadmap to proficiency. Today, I'm joined by Devin Gunning, and she has a network called the Practical Proficiency Network, and this is her program for mentoring teachers, and particularly, we'll be looking at the focus of teaching with a proficiency mindset and goal and objective, and how she's going about working with teachers within this network to get them up to speed to some degree and to help them go further than where they are. And so when we are all looking at proficiency, we're coming from different places. Some of us come with a lot of experience and you listen to a conversation about comprehensible input and you totally get it. Or maybe you've heard about it a little bit, or maybe you're totally new to it. And so whenever we're having these conversations, it is so good to keep in mind, it's helpful, in fact, to keep in mind that we're not all starting from the same place. And I actually saw a document that Devin had created that helps teachers to figure out where they are in this process. And then it has suggestions for what you can do at that place to be an effective teacher that's working towards proficiency, if that's your goal. So she's going to tell us a lot more about that. But I just wanted to give you the rundown of sort of where the idea came from for this episode. So Devin has lots of experience as a French and Spanish teacher, particularly at the high school level. And in more recent years, she has been focusing her work on mentoring teachers through her practical proficiency network. And she is in Charleston, South Carolina. And I just want to say, Devin, Devin, it is such a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Wow, I feel so honored to be here. This podcast has been, 
I mean, I, I was definitely part of the, you know, university commute crowd that use this all the time. And now I get to be a guest. I feel oh. really honored. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. It is a pleasure to have you here. And I'm looking forward to learning from you as all of our listeners are as well. I gave a little bit of a teaser about your practical proficiency network. Could you give us just a little more information about that to make sure that we totally understand what it is that you're doing? Sure. So when I was in the classroom working with my high school students, proficiency just it completely changed the way that we were able to experience that whole classroom life together. It made such a powerful community in my classroom with my students and I, and I saw huge gains in what they were able to do as well, which of course made class so much more meaningful for them because now they're actually seeing results from all their hard work. However, my process with proficiency was all over the place and costing me so much time and effort outside of school just to wrap my head around it. And so what I thought we could all really use as a teaching community is a place where, hey, maybe we no longer have to feel like we teach on an island if we're going towards this road for proficiency and maybe you were like me and we're the only one in your department trying to do it. Or if you were gathering all of these resources from all over the internet, conferences, all the things, podcasts that you're doing in your spare time and trying to find a way to like make it all fit together and it's not quite working. So that's what the Practical Proficiency Network is all about is how can we take all of these really great ideas and make them practical for our very unique classroom contexts and save a lot of that headache of trying to make sense of it on our own. So let's break that down a little bit from that place you were in your classroom where you were sort of the hodgepodge of stuff going on and hearing all that to getting to a place where you're confident with mentoring teachers and doing this. What was that proficiency journey like for you in figuring all that out? So I learned very much so in the messy way in one of the stages that we'll talk about later where I was I was just trying things, trying things and figuring them out to see what my students liked. And I figured out real quick what they did not like and also what seemed to fit well for me because there were a lot of things that I heard on podcasts or in conferences that everybody raved about. But as soon as I tried it, I was exhausted by the end of the day. So I knew it just wouldn't be right. But that was a really messy and exhausting year where I also felt really defeated. Like, am I not doing this right? If I'm doing so much work and only seeing like a teeny, teeny, tiny bit of progress. But what actually happened was that year ended up being that year where I was just trying things ended up being the most valuable one because I took all that stuff that I learned from that year and brought it into the next year and was able to go gung-ho with more proficiency-centered ideas already in my back pocket, having a knowledge of what I like, what my students like, what works in, you know, what works for my personality and all of that. And as I was looking at this really messy journey that I was having, I started to notice that, oh, okay, this isn't a thing that I'm going to master in a day. Somehow a light bulb came on for me that this might actually be a journey. This is something that's going to take me a few years to master. That was the real pivotal moment for me. And that's when I decided I have got to start talking to other teachers about this because there's a lot of pressure 
out there to get right to 90% target language, to get the activities right the first time. And not only that, I think a lot of the pressure comes from us where when you're standing in front of a group of a captive audience and something flops, you go home and you stew about it all Mm -hmm. night. And then it's hard to sleep, you know, that whole cycle. Mm -hmm. So that's where I really wanted to get into the mentoring space of making sure that teachers knew you're not alone in this. Like the fact that it's messy means you're actually doing it right, Mm -hmm. that you're trying things, that you're being brave. And that's, I mean, proficiency in itself, as we learn from SLA, it's a pretty messy process in your brain. So it's good for it to be Mm -hmm. like that, but that we can also, if we had some more guidance, Mm -hmm. we could probably alleviate a lot of stress Mm -hmm. with it. (laughs) So that particular year, two-year cycle that you're mentioning there, was that a lot of trial and error for you? And where were you looking to, like, books or podcasts or conferences or individuals? Like, where were you pulling the information from to help you during that process? I was a total podcast queen. So podcasts are my favorite. And so I look to your podcast a lot. And I was looking to Inspired Proficiency Podcast, Mm -hmm. Tea with BVP. I had a couple that I would Mm -hmm. would listen to a lot Mm -hmm. that would definitely give me what I found to be incredible advice because Mm -hmm. the benefit of podcasts like yours is that you're getting the wealth of experience from around the whole community of world language teachers Mm -hmm. that all come at it from a very different angle with Mm -hmm. very different work environments and experiences. So everything that I heard, I was able to see if, okay, they're trying that in their classroom. Let me see if it's going to work for Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. So that was definitely my favorite. I couldn't um, afford to go to conferences, so mm-hmm. I wasn't really that much on that train. But there was definitely, I had a huge document that I used to keep of blogs that I was following mm-hmm. as well. So let's talk about this idea of the teacher journey, which leads us to the roadmap, as you refer to it. But I'm thinking about the journey to proficiency. And you break it down into five phases or steps where a teacher might identify themselves on this journey. So what are the identities with maybe a quick description of what they might be? So listeners might say, oh, that's me, you know, so we can understand Mm -hmm. that a little better. Yeah. And the best way to go for it too is like, there's going to be five that I talk about here. Some people might even fall a little bit in the middle of between two, right? Because we're all on a journey here, but go with the one that really calls to you. Like you feel it in your gut, like, oh, I think that's me. Before we even jump into it, I just want to make sure that listeners know this because this is one of those conversations where there's going to be a lot of information Mm -hmm. and a visual might be helpful. So I just want listeners to know that Devin has a blog post where you can actually download a copy of this roadmap that she's talking about with all the suggestions and the descriptions. So that link will be in the show notes. So make sure that you grab it there. So yes, listen, but if you're driving, don't write any of this down right now. But you can (laughs) definitely go to the show notes and you can download her PDF that has everything right on it. Okay, now you go. Number one, the wanderer. (laughs) Perfect. So glad you mentioned it. So you might have heard that I actually went through this stage, right? The wanderer is that time in your classroom. And I would say that one sentence to describe it is wanderer is you don't know how class is going to go every day. That's how you feel when you walk into class. It's that we've all been there where you walk and you're like, (gasps) 
I don't, I don't know about this. And it could be for a bunch of different reasons. You might be very brand new to this. You might be in a really tough situation, or you might be in something that's very difficult logistically in your teaching context. One of the teachers in my practical proficiency network is currently sharing a classroom with a cart with another teacher who's a totally different subject than French. So even though she has a lot of knowledge about proficiency, she calls herself a wanderer because the, the number one thing with the wanderer is that honestly, proficiency is not your priority right now. Even though you care about it, it's not your priority right now. You're going to try a few activities when you have space for it, when it works for your classroom. But there are other things either maybe in your season of life or in your classroom context or in your amount of teaching experience that might be getting in the way of your ability mm -hmm. to execute. And that's okay. Here's the beauty of that. Own your stage mm -hmm. because that's going to leave you so much more freedom to take care of your students and yourself the way that you need to. Mm -hmm. So when we say that the proficiency is not a priority, it's not because they don't think it's a priority and necessary in teaching. It's exactly. just that sometimes there are challenging circumstances that might create obstacles. Right. And I think that we need to name that because proficiency is where world language is definitely moving, but it's not a possibility for everybody right now at this moment in time. You might have some space for it every now and then, but to say that everybody has the same space for trying something that might be very new for you is frankly unfair. Like you, mm -hmm. you might have a lot going on and that, that should be acknowledged. Okay. So we have number one, the wanderer. Mm -hmm. Okay. And number two, Number two, we have the Explorer. And the mm. nice thing about the Wanderer and the Explorer stage is that both of these are very short. Both of these are short stages. They won't last very long. And you will be able to move through them pretty quickly. The Explorer is when you are ready to see what proficiency is all about. You're trying new things. I was in this phase too, where you're figuring out what your kids like and what you like, what works for your personality. I found it to be really empowering to put this phase on for size and discover that it is okay for things to not go right in your classroom because you are learning so much from it and calling it, quote unquote, an investment year mm -hmm. or an investment semester, whatever it might be, to get that experience that you need to make it really work for you. Because honestly, learning how to teach for proficiency, I feel is really a skill. And when we acknowledge that, we'll be comfortable with the same way that we would treat students or that we would treat ourselves if we're, hey, I'm learning how to draw. So that's the explorer phase. Okay. And then number three, we have the? Number three is the most common stage for teachers, the navigator. Mm -hmm. And all of these, of course, are travel themed because we're world mm -hmm. language teachers. So <laughs> right. It's the same experience when you're brand new to maybe leaving the country for the first time. You're a wanderer. You're like, okay, I'm just, I'm just excited to be here. And then the explorer is like, okay, I've been here before, before. Let me like try some new things. But the navigator, the navigator is going up to the person who's selling street food and asking, okay, so where do people really hang out? That's the navigator. Mm -hmm. The navigator is ready to get serious about proficiency because now you've got the data and data I'm referring to, you know what your students like, you know what you like, and you are now ready to, oh, maybe I'm going to jump into novels. I want to try and really get into these two or three strategies that I love and that works really well for my students. Mm -hmm. And teachers in this stage they love what proficiency is doing for their classroom, but they don't love how much work it is. So they're trying to create 
sustainable systems, building up the resources that you need, advocating for a more unified curriculum, and you're really focusing in on that goal of using more target language in class. Okay. So the wanderer, the explorer, the navigator, and number four? Number four is really fun, but this is a long phase. This is the long game here. This is the globetrotter. Globetrotter is now that you're comfortable with techniques, now that you've picked the style of teaching and the way that you would like to approach proficiency in a way that works for you, now you're mastering the day-to-day stuff. So this is when you're trying to, instead of working towards proficiency, you're making proficiency work for you. You've got the skills, you've got the know-how, you have the ability. Imagine yourself if you're in a conversation with stakeholders and you can explain to them really clearly in three sentences what proficiency is and why it's going to rock their students' world. That's a globetrotter. And then you can prove it with what's going on in your classroom, like 70% of the time, that's a globetrotter. So you're trying to make proficiency work for you instead of you working to make proficiency happen all the time. And the hard part about this stage and what makes it long is that you're getting in a lot of routines. You're routinizing and systemizing all of the things that make proficiency happen. So it takes a long time because that's Mm -hmm. a lot of hard work. Was that where you saw the largest portion of your time as you were figuring it out? You were a globetrotter? I would say that I spent the largest amount of time in the classroom as a navigator. When I left the classroom, I was at a globetrotter phase. It was a shift where I started to feel that I felt like I could very comfortably be a good conversation partner with my students for 10 15 minutes, even though they weren't saying much back to me at levels one and two, that actually felt comfortable instead of, oh, okay, how am I going to do this every day? Mm -hmm. Like, that's when I really felt that I hit that point. And then the end of the road, not the end of the road, the the arrival point, I don't know what you'd call it, but step five. (laughs) It's like the the mastery phase when you're ready to go into something new. And I would say, this is the local. This is what you're probably seeing actually the most of. If you're following people online, all of the amazing people that Joshua and I learn from too, that these are the people that are presenting at conferences and Mm -hmm. doing the dang thing because they have done all of this work to set up an amazing proficiency routine that they can actually scale so that now they're excited to share about it with other people because it's working well in their classroom. However, this stage I would say is not, it's not necessarily the end goal. Mm -hmm. Um, It just would be that at this point, you're not so much learning about proficiency or activities or routines or ways to get there. You're figuring out how to make it last. These are the presenters, y'all. These are the people who are sharing about the work in their classroom. Mm -hmm. And it's never perfect because there's no such thing as a perfect classroom. Mm -hmm. But these are people I would say that at this point are really comfortable sharing what's going on in their classroom because they've Mm -hmm. achieved that level. Before we look to the suggestions you have for teachers seeing themselves at possibly, hopefully at one of these stages, Let's do a quick recap so that teachers could say, okay, yeah, that was me. So with the Wanderer, we said that proficiency is not a priority, but it's not something that they have put aside as not something they want. There are just some sort of challenges that may be getting in the way. Yes? Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the Explorer is figuring it out, looking for information. They're interested in it, maybe fewer of those obstacles than we mentioned for the Wanderer. 
And then we have the navigator who's looking for systematic systems, I guess, or sustainable Mm -hmm. systems, I believe is what you said. And that's probably the most common phase, right, that teachers Mm -hmm. would find themselves in. But they're ready to get serious with it, ready to get serious. And then the globetrotter, number four, we said that they're comfortable with the teaching techniques and the day-to-day, and they have clear understanding of the systems and methodology that's out there. And then the local number five is the one that is looking for ways to make it last. And they're probably presenting at conferences and sharing out. And what I think is important to say about the stage five locals, from what I've seen, if it's the people we're talking about that are sharing on Twitter and in blogs and on podcasts and everything, that you you said it's not the end because they're still growing. They're always looking right. to make it better, right? So is that a good recap of them? Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. That's it. All right. I just wanted to make sure for myself that I understood as you was taking like furious notes as you were going through. So now listeners have this idea of one of these five possible stages. And I also want to point out that these are the stages that you use like within Mm -hmm. your network and they're your language, you know, so there may be other people using other terminology and this isn't sort of like the actful thing, but this is what you have found useful. And so let's share it with teachers. So listeners now have a good idea of these five possible places to be on the roadmap. So What are you doing to help guide and support teachers on these different phases of the proficiency journey? I think that the most important thing to remember with each of these stages is that when you own your stage, it becomes very clear what your very next steps are. Mm -hmm. Instead of that overwhelming feeling, because that's usually why people come to me is they're like, I want to get started with proficiency, but I have no idea where to start. Or it feels all like it's so much. And I already have a to-do list as long as the hallway. So the way that I would guide somebody with this is choose your very next action step. Now that you know what your stage is, and it's so empowering to, and this is the hard part, leave the rest, understand what's not in your realm right now, Because what happens a lot is with proficiency-oriented ideas, you might be trying something that's actually out of your realm of focus right now or out of your stage and is causing you a lot of extra pressure that you're putting on yourself that you're just not ready for at this stage in your game. So for the Wanderer, like my top action step for sure is let's look at, do you have an emergency subfolder? Because that's going to save your life so many times. And maybe that's your one really awesome proficiency-oriented lesson. Get an emergency subfolder. An emergency subfolder is just you've got a full lesson plan for all of your class periods completely planned out and ready to go that somebody who only speaks the L1 in your school could do for you. And having that on deck for any of those days that are you know just completely out of your control boom, glorious, will save you so much stress. Mm -hmm. And I would say too, that if you want to work on a step towards the more proficiency side of things, that honing in on CI basics, not learning new games, games are great, not learning new activities, activities are amazing, but you can do those later. How about how comprehensible are you being? How are you giving directions to students? Those types of things that you can definitely do each class period and don't require a ton of training. 
Those are my action steps for the Wanderer. So when it comes to the Wanderer, these are likely the teachers who are not totally steeped in this world of proficiency and CI. And so when you say to focus on the CI basics, if I'm that Wanderer and I have that advice, say I just open up Google. What should I type into Google to find out what is the basics of CI? How to talk to students so they understand. Or an even better search term that will get you some really good articles is how to be comprehensible, how to speak comprehensibly, how to write comprehensibly. Everything that makes the target language actually the mode of communication in your classroom instead of something that you're just learning the features of or learning about it. That moves miles. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And even in asking the question, I said CI basics. And maybe we should make sure that when we say CI, we're talking about comprehensible input. There may be a wanderer who's thinking, what's CI, right? So even like starting from the basics with that. Okay, so that was the wanderer. And now how are you supporting an explorer? An explorer is, I would say, one of my favorite places to start. Like my number one first step is... It's like, raise your hand out there, y'all, if you're driving in your car too, if you've ever had this feeling, but 90% target language was incredibly difficult for me. And so I, that's, I went out and sought out a lot of help with this. I think this is much easier though. And teachers tell me that this gives them a lot of, whew, okay, I can do that. What if instead you worked towards a consistent five minute target language interaction every day? Can you sustain a conversation for five minutes almost every day? and see how your students react to it. What would happen? Like, just think about how much more language would happen with just that simple change. Because then you can always build off of it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have the experience of seeing that it works. If you never have that experience of seeing that it works, I think that if you're on a block schedule and it's 90 minutes or something like that, and it's like, oh, so 90% target language, that's 90% of 90 minutes. That feels like so much. But when you say five minutes, see that it works, and then 10 minutes. So mm-hmm. I like that that advice of starting small rather than thinking it's all the way through. And now the navigator. How are we supporting the navigator? So with navigator, then my advice would be to, can you bump that up? Like, can you do 10 minutes? Try 10 minutes. And could you do class in 50% target language consistently? And then if you get past that point, amazing snaps for you. But consistent 50% target language is a total game changer, total Mm -hmm. game changer. And I would also say too, that this is a really great time to look at your units, check out your units and even a curriculum map to make sure that the actual materials that you're using, or at least the, the framework of it is actually designed to help you teach for proficiency instead of pulling you away from it. Mm depending on how much freedom you have, like everybody's freedom with their maps is very different depending on your school context. But Mm -hmm. many teachers that I work with don't have a curriculum map. So I would say that would be a big action step for me at the the navigator stage. Okay. And then our Globetrotters. Globetrotters, this one is so fun. But above all others, 
as much self-care as you can. It's more like boundaries around your time because you're spending so much energy using those interactions with students every day. It's really, really taxing at this stage. And Globetrotters are also usually doing a lot of advocacy for students and for their programs. Like, hey, can we get in Seal of Biliteracy? That's exhausting. That's taking up a lot of your planning time. But when you're coming to the proficiency side of things, I would say this is the time to really start tweaking which activities do you love and mastering them? Which Mm -hmm. games do your students love to keep that spark going? Which resources do your students really respond to? Those details that make your class come to life. Mm -hmm. So the Globetrotters are likely the teachers that are using the methodology and techniques like a write and discuss or a movie talk or something like that. And these are not necessarily even known in that wanderer, maybe in the explorer phase a little bit, but really honing in. And so these teachers should be perhaps Googling if they want to find out more of these activities, things like doing a movie talk or a picture talk or write and discuss or parallel stories, all the things that end up in the the CI world. Okay, so that's the Globetrotter. And then how about our how about our local? So for the local, I would I would feel that for locals, your main moves here is sharing with your class and sharing your class with others, because that is in itself a really powerful tool. And that the sharing that you will get also will make sure that you know that it's okay for your journey to be messy. And that even though you have still achieved this very high level of performance in your class, as well as what you're doing every day, that you can grow so much from being connected with other people that are doing the same thing mm-hmm. as you. Because I think at this stage that what what is really common is that feeling of, of loneliness. Like, oh my gosh, am I the only one who is doing things along these lines? Am I the only one who's constantly fighting, quote unquote, or having friction with colleagues or departments, whatever it might be, to maybe move things in a different direction. That's a really common feeling at at the local level because there's not there's not a lot of them. So if you are hearing this and feeling this, my best advice to you is to share and connect and invest in those connections and relationships because the people that you really want to learn and grow from are other people who are also sharing. So I just want to make sure that Everyone who's listening is, again, aware that they can get this PDF download with all this information on here that you're talking about. Because for each of the suggestions, you gave one or two, and I'm looking at the document right here, and some of them have six or seven suggestions. So there's a, a lot more and a lot more guidance and mentorship that you can get just from this simple PDF document that Devin put together. So make sure you go to the show notes and you can get the link to her blog post right there. So Devin, I am very interested to know how you stay excited and inspired by all of this work with teachers. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you that it's, (laughs) I love having meetings with teachers where I get to hear about all of their wins because that still feels like a win for me. And I also, though, it it only happens once a year, but it's always really, really exciting and probably my favorite part of the year. But I have the honor of hosting a conference that's free for teachers and being with other educators that are just 
in doing inspiring things in their classroom, that lights me up every time. Like I always put it in a specific time of year too, where I like need a nudge because I know it's going to give me so much fire to be able to talk to other people in that environment. And that's a virtual conference, you said? Yeah, it's a virtual conference that pops up every year. It's called Practical and Comprehensible. And this year it's March 28th through the 30th and it's free. So come hang out if you want to come hang out. Excellent. Okay. So now is the time where I like to pull the teacher curtain back a little bit and get to know my guests a little more. Are you up for this, Devin? I'm ready. I'm so ready for this. All right, here we go. I'm going to start with an easy one. Spring or fall? Okay, so I live in Charleston, so they're the same. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's either summer or like weird, weird not summer. So spring and fall are the same. But I would say that in terms of like what's going on, I do I do enjoy fall more. Okay. All right. The next one, if you're watching a movie or reading a book, do you gravitate towards the protagonist or the sidekick? Who do you find more interest in? The sidekick's definitely more interesting because they get to have all the quippy comebacks. And I'm so here for it. That's definitely my favorite. <laughs> Are you into a quippy comeback? All day, every day. I love quippy comebacks. <laughs> okay. Now, you do a lot of work on your computer, I'm assuming, with planning virtual Mm -hmm. conferences and working with teachers and everything. So are you a save as you go or do you get trapped into trying to save at the end and sometimes you live to regret it? Save as you go, maniacally, (laughs) maniacally. Do you have any idea how many external hard drives I have? It is ridiculous. I I have an external one and I have two cloud backup drives because I've had that nightmare that I'm sure... All of y'all have had at some point, if you've switched schools, where you somehow lose like half of it going between one one school computer to another. Like Never again. I'm, okay. I'm maniacal about my data. I back mm-hmm. it up in so mm-hmm. many places. Mm-hmm. I have been taught that lesson many times, and I'm yet to totally learn it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hardcore, I've been there. I do that too. (laughs) Yes. So I mentioned to teachers already that they can get the link in the show notes to go to your blog post and download this PDF document. But where else can teachers be reaching out to you and connecting with you to talk more about this roadmap? So my favorite place to hang out is definitely on my blog. You can find a lot of articles there, lalibrelanguagelearning.com. But I also hang out on Instagram with the same handle at lalibrelanguagelearning. And you can, of course, reach out to me there to get any any more action steps and questions that you have once you download the document and see, because sometimes people have trouble deciding, like, oh, which one am I? Mm-hmm. Definitely come and chat with me there. I love talking to teachers. So okay. I'd love to hang out with you there. Can you leave us with one good, hearty, meaty piece of advice for, say, I'm driving in my car this morning, I'm going to school, I'm about to arrive, and there's this roadmap to proficiency, and what's some advice for something that I could possibly do or think about today? My number one piece of advice to you, and the whole reason why I wrote this document is because... Teachers don't give themselves enough credit for how much work they are doing and how much is sitting on their shoulders of how they feel that they have to do it all. So my number one piece of advice to you as you're thinking about like which your action stages is start 
with one. Try to make it 2% better every day and watch consistency do the magic for you instead of adding more to your plate. If you're an explorer, like you don't have to try a bunch of new activities that you hear about, even though they're amazing, to be a proficiency-oriented teacher. Mastering some of the basics or you know, reworking some units, those are all still proficiency-oriented things too. So own your stage, own your action step, and allow yourself the grace and freedom to enjoy the journey. When you started that piece of advice, you said, watch the consistency do the magic for you. I wrote that down because that is going to be my new mantra. I absolutely love that. And thank you so much for that and for everything that you shared with us today. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. What are your takeaways from that conversation with Devin Gunning? I hope that you have a clear idea of where you are on Devin's roadmap with some ideas for how you can continue to grow. Be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Devin and also to get the PDF that we mentioned in the episode. You'll also see the link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. You'll also see links to get in touch with me if you'd like to work together, either in person, in your school, or remotely. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.